Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arvartic Podcast, episode 144, our weekly podcast where we talk about everything VR. I'm PJ. I'm Wookie. And joining us is Jack. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Jack's here to talk about Nowntown. This is your child, your creation. Green child. Yeah, that's right. This this Nowntown. I'm just using the space. <laughs> we are in virtual reality, right? So we should yep. make use of it. Um, I can't get my face any closer to it. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Please, that's how you learn better. You get your face closer <laughs> to the subject matter. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a team effort. It's a Nantan is a huge team effort of uh, volunteers and uh, contractors and employees. Um, but we hope to create the best possible language learning experience outside of being in a country um, and learning while you're there. That's the goal. <laughs> the lofty aim. It looks so polished. It'd have to be a huge team. Like everything just looks a little Z's coming over the sleeping animals and the fruit. Everything just like Yeah, we have perfect. an awesome art director. He's super talented. He came up with this style which is like sort of a place but no place. It's kind of like in between anywhere. It's really internally consistent. Um and best of all, it uses like very few polygons, which means we can run it on the quest too. Nice. So yeah, if, if you just want to tell us a little bit about the game, um, I know there's like six languages and, you know, you, as you learn, you bring color to the world. Uh, just kind of give us a brief rundown of that and for the listeners, yeah. I guess. So uh, Nowntown is a language learning game. The idea is that when you play Nowntown, you will become better at the language that you want to learn. I mean, that's like the core, the core part. And to facilitate that, we've come up with all kinds of um, design ideas and gameplay features which centralize language learning and language interaction as part of your experience. So it's not like um, it's not like some kind of game where you just like go through forms and there's a 3D background and you click the right multiple choice answer or something, right? We didn't think that was a very useful way of teaching language learning. So we tried to create this immersive world where anything you want to know the name of, you can like look at it and it's annotated or you can pick up the object and hold it to your ear and you hear a native speaker say the word in the language that you want. Um, and we tried to come up with ways in which the, the gameplay and the progression system reflected your language learning. So that's why the world is in black and white because when you don't know a language, it's kind of like, ah, man, this place is really alien and scary. Mm -hmm. But as you start to get better at language learning at the language that you are learning, um, it kind of, the world kind of makes sense to you. The culture makes sense to you. The ability to kind of exist and interact in that space makes sense to you. And so we kind of reflected that by just doing that in our game, this dark gray world. As you learn a word, the color emanates outwards from what we call chromometers, um, which are color towers. Um, then as you learn more and more of the words in the game, these get bigger and bigger. And any object that you learn individually um, colors in when you learn it. Um, and it's decolored when you don't learn it. So that's like this this core part, but there's also like layers and layers of this. Yeah. So it's uh, we've got this real, really focused on this idea of task-based learning, which is this uh, linguistic theory idea, but essentially it means you centralize all of the uh, language learning 
as the core gameplay facility. So when we design games, we're not like, how quickly can you move your hands to do this? We're actually like, how can we use language learning as the thing that you have to get better at in order to progress in this game? And so one example is our learning rush game where you serve customers. Um, so they can't really say a word that you've already learned in the language that you're trying to learn. And then you have to look around the objects and pick it up and throw it at them as quick as possible. So <laughs> you are trying to respond with speed, but the real thing is your recognition of the object. And if you're not sure, you can like pick up objects and put them to your ear to check what the word is. But actually the way you get better at that game is you learn words better. The way you get a higher score is you unlock more words, which increases the multiplier. So throughout the whole game, there's this concept of uh, language learning as gameplay feature. And you've, yeah. beyond that, you've got like 70 verb mini games. So when you learn the verb to cut something, you pick up a knife and you cut some fruit. When you learn the verb to wash, you pick up a hose and you wash down a, a <laughs> cow that's particularly muddy. Um, and then there's conversations you can have with NPCs. So if you want to know about an NPC, you don't select a dialogue option, right? You actually have to say the words, like, what is your favorite color? What do you like? Where do you come from? In the language that you want, and then they'll respond. Um, so the whole game is built around this concept of language-first interaction. Yeah, that's... Okay. I got to say, like, you, you reached out and you're like, hey, you want to check this out? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll check anything out. And I, I, I kind of knew about it special. before you reached out. <laughs> well, no, just let me get there, though. Because <laughs> th there's been a few other language apps and things, and it's like kind of what you described first off. Like, it's kind of just like doing the same type of learning in VR. You know, it's just words and audio. Not very uh, interactive or interesting. Within two minutes I, I of starting up Nowntown, I was like blown away. And I learned like four words I didn't know. Um, and it was awesome because like you said, with the coloring growing out, like you just kind of like know what's going on, even though, like you said, you kind of feel alienated at, st at the start. But you pick up an item and you, like you said, hold it to your ear, you hear it, and then you hold the trigger and you actually talk and then it gets your enunciation and all that stuff. And it blings and it's just like the whole presentation of what you guys have going on here is is really impressive and i think i was just telling wookie before you popped in here like if you i think if you legit put 30 minutes a day into this you'd you'd learn that language pretty dang quickly yeah well thank you that's super nice to hear because when we were building <laughs> it we were like oh man are we going to do something terrible like no one's we felt like no one had really done this before we felt like education technology generally hadn't really like leaned into the gameplay side it leaned into gamification where it gives people high right. score charts or makes them do streaks or but we really felt that they hadn't actually leaned into a gameplay side of things so we were like can we give an example of where educational technology can actually be a game like people play it and they want to be there they're not like i have to do this to learn they're like yeah. <laughs> i want to be in this it's a fun thing i feel good when my learning is improved through the yeah. world that i'm interacting with and so it, it took a little time to think about that yeah, it's really cool and you're like in an area and it's all black and white you pick up an item and you say it and if like you said there's multiple of those items like if it's a piece of fruit in the in the grocery store area that whole all those light up in the whole area is really neat to kind of see that and just it's really really makes you want to keep going and that's another cool thing like 
you have a lot of science behind this game. You can just tell, like, I don't know if it's five or six words. Um, it says, hey, you've learned enough for right now. Come back in like three hours and there's a counter like you shouldn't learn anymore yet. Let this sink in. Um, if you want to go yeah. through like the science behind it, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, um, I should warn you, my PhD is in virtual reality and embodied cognition through language learning. So it is a very dense and boring 200 pages. I will <laughs> cut that down. And to... go. <laughs> the after what show? is science? Um, yeah, right. It's maybe I can sell, sell copies to my thesis, the only person who's ever had more than three people read their thesis. Um, <laughs> So there's a lot of different approaches. We kind of took the approach of, uh, of kind of trying to put in as many different approaches as possible because there's a lot of different ways in which people consider uh, language learning works for people. Um, our overarching one is we aim for communicative competence, right? What we're trying to do is not uh, teach people the grammar that allows them to construct sentences in their head and then try to interact. We're less interested in that. There are like, 75 lessons in the game but what we're really aiming at is um, this idea of communicative competence where if you go into another country you can be like food please uh yeah. coffee and milk um so and then from that you can build on which is what we think and some theorists think is a more naturalistic way of learning a language right when you're a child you don't say nothing until you can say mother no. would you be able to pass me the milk please right that's not <laughs> That's not how we, and when you're kind of living That's in That's how Wookiee came out, but other than that. That Well, that's it, right? So when you go to another country as well, most of the time, if you're living there for a long time, you are not coming out with full sentences. You're kind of negotiating the meaning with the limited vocabulary we ha you have. So that's the, uh, the approach we're taking with this, which is why it's always listening to the words first. It's speech recognition first. It's not reading and writing down the words first, right? They're kind of secondary to this idea of being able to communicate. And that is kind of what really inspires people, right? When you ask people uh, why they want to learn a language, often it's to, to go to the country, to meet people, to be able to have an experience in that country. So right. that's where we've, we've led from. Um, and from that, there's a whole bunch of things. I'm going to run through them super quickly. Um, one is the immersivity, right? So in the context. So learning in a context. And if you take a phone app where you're learning like a bunch of words, they're totally decontextualized, right? You'll learn on the same screen, on the same interaction, the word for beach as you will for courthouse, right? Or sadness mm -hmm. or so. And you're, you're doing the exact same thing in the exact same place. So you don't really form any, in, like your brain doesn't form any connections around that word. Whereas what you can do in VR is you can be like, well, now you're at the beach and you're surrounded by beachy yeah. things and your words, when you learn these, you'll be able to memorize them. So we've got a sense of context, but there's another layer, which is the sense of embodied interaction. And that stems from grabbing objects, but also uh, making actions with those objects. So there's this, um, this uh, school of thought um, called the, I think it's the body object index or body object interactions. Um, I finished my PhD about six months ago, so I, so I've clearly forgotten all of the information. Um, <laughs> but it's the idea that, yeah, thank you. Don't tell my supervisor, <laughs> she'll be so disappointed. Um, but it's the idea that objects that you can pick up and interact with are better memorized than ones that are more abstract that you can't interact with. So for example, it's a lot easier for you to remember the words for like uh, controller or drink or uh, 
cheese than it is to remember words like uh, mountain or sky and even more abstract like justice and honor so our brains are kind of hardwired to better memorize things that are kind of within our field of touch and interaction so things that your hands can manipulate so that's why we made basically all the objects in the game uh pick upable and movable um, which is quite a big technical challenge if you think of a lot of vr games yeah. there's not a hundred objects in a scene you can pick up and move around um yeah you can ask any dev, like, why didn't you do more? They're like, do you know how much work that is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I, oh, again, I was impressed first off because, like, there there are hundred. I won't say hundreds, but there's a a lot of grabbable objects in each area. That's I, I kind of was shocked by that because of what we just yeah. said. And it also causes a lot of interaction and problems as well, right? So if you distance grab something and it comes towards you, if you don't mm. do some extra coding, it's going to collide with everything on the way, just sending everything <laughs> out, which is what happened in our initial release. We only patched that like a week ago. Um, and so there's all kinds of... explodes. <laughs> right, exactly. You, there's that learning rush game. And so many people are like, when I grab an object from a distance, it knocks all the other objects out of the way and then I can't get them. And then someone's coming up to me and they're asking me for like chicken. And the chicken's now three meters away, Jack. How am I supposed to get the chicken? And anyway, we've resolved that. And I never want to see the word chicken again. Um, You're trying so, to die. Right? <laughs> I can't go back into Nowtown. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so there's this sense of object interaction, but that also extends to verbs, right? So there's lots of evidence that learning verbs in a second language is better memorized when you do the action. So to learn the word for pour is better if you pick up the object and do a pouring action, that will form the memorization better. Um, so we use that as well. Yep. Um, and then there's some more stuff. Uh, there's uh, something called the production effect, which was researched by a guy called McLeod. And he said, if you're learning another language, you want to start speaking it, right? If you start like speaking the words, even if you're just memorizing individual words, you need to speak those words for them to form a memorization in your brain. And his argument is that there's something implicit about saying the words that form stronger memorizations. The act of like manipulating your mouth to produce those sounds makes it stay in your brain better, which is why we make everyone say the words, right? Um, yeah. They have, to, they have to talk to characters, etc. Right. That seems like a missing link from a lot of other better than some, but, you know, better than most, maybe, learning new tools is actually having to say it. Yeah. And also, it matches quite well with virtual reality, because there's this thing in language learning called production anxiety, which is when you're in a classroom, you don't want to try saying the language in front yeah. of your peers because you're embarrassed or scared or frightened. Whereas when you put on a VR headset, you kind of feel like you can do what you want. Like you, the rest yeah. of the world doesn't matter. Yeah. And we have, oh, go ahead. Sometimes I have no concept of that because as a kid in high school, French class, um, they were saying, you know, the first day the student teacher was like, hey, does anybody already know any French or whatever? And stupid me, uh, there was always these commercials for this bear that would teach French and it's had a couple of people saying languages on it. And I, uh, I said, yeah. And I said, uh, I heard a language on, or a line on TV once. And for some odd reason, I'm really good at replicating some language. Somebody taught me Loatian once, like an insult. And I still remember how to say it to this day. Uh, I just, sometimes it, it triggers and picked up. So I was like, I just, mimic the commercial and i said je suis la jeune fille and see i can still remember how to say that and that was like 25 years ago and the, and she she started laughing at it and i was like 
what did I say? And you, she's <laughs> like, you perfectly said, and g- g- bravo on like, you know, doing it, but you just said, I'm a little girl and I'm not a little girl. And everybody started laughing at me. And I'm like, but I said it right. <laughs> it was like 15 minutes of shame, but I was like, I know some French. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Yo, you're still getting better, I see. Yeah. <laughs> to so, some yeah, of your points though, like yeah. yeah with that like you're 100% right because um we have had devs guess like hey when I reach out to them they're like hey I don't feel comfortable talking um because English isn't my first language which to my initial reaction to that is that's bullshit you know more than one language you should never feel bad about that because I don't know any more than one language like that kind of makes me mad that people feel that way you know in a in a in a nice way but they come in here in vr like you said you put the headset on and you feel like you're there's just that layer taken off of like like if you are nervous or you you know vr takes that away but then lets you be in the same room and interact and that's again to your point why we do the show in VR because it used to be audio only and you do a call, you know, it'd be a call and you just sit there and just kind of talk at each other. You can't see or interact. Just these simple hand gestures really makes you feel like after you leave there, you'll feel like you've hung out with us in a room and had an actual conversation, I hope. But it makes the conversation way more lively than just straight up normal talking to each other. So VR really does, you know, close that gap in a lot of ways to bring all that together. I think for with your app and and the learning the language, it really does does super well with that. Yeah, and there's also like another layer to that as well. So there's like a lot of uh, virtual reality research into exposure therapy. So there's a famous one where people are scared of spiders and they get them in VR and they get them closer <laughs> to being spiders. And there's a more funny one where there are, uh, undergraduate students who are intimidated by talking to attractive women. And so they got them in and they got them to speak to attractive avatars. Um, and then after some of this process of exposure therapy in VR, they rated their anxiety in real life situations as much lower. So not only could they like approach those things in VR because the anxiety was lower, but that transferred over to the real world. So it's kind of a way to safely practice things, which you then transfer those skills into the real world as well. So there's almost two layers to it. One is you feel less anxious. And two is because you can experience it safely, you then feel less anxious when you take it into the, into the physical space. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's another part of it. And the other, the, a big one, a huge one is motivation. We were like, how can we, show language learning how can we experience language learning in a way that isn't just you've moved on to the next class or congratulations you got three correct um (laughs) and so that's why we have uh colors and the color is intrinsically linked to um some graphic effect but also some life on the island so as the color stems outwards uh, an old flower stand will suddenly have someone that stands there and you can learn colors based on uh interacting with her florist flower stand um so like different things get unlocked as you progress and also that extends even to conversations so you can ask the characters questions and as you ask them more questions more questions get unlocked and also your relationship with them builds and they unlock more chat options and that also allows us to go from a formal dialogue when you talk to a stranger in many languages to informal dialogue so as you ask them more questions 
it unlocks more chats and those chats start off all formal but by the end they're relatively informal as if they're your best friend nice um, that's really smart i gotta say i'm i'm kind of a mumbler wookie can attest to that so <laughs> I, once i learned that again. what'd you call me you're mumbling again <laughs> once Should i, I learned that <laughs> Once I learned that in in your game um, or app, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, like you had to hold the trigger down and say the word and enunciate. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a problem with this. And so far, I haven't had a problem. So that's kind of amazing to me because I've, again, other games and apps with like voice commands and recognitions, sometimes there's been a problem, which helps me learn to get over that. But um, yeah, I haven't had an issue with you yet, with Nountown yet. So that's, that's pretty cool. great to hear. You'll definitely find some. Um, not that, like I'm trying to check people out of not buying my game. Buy my game. It's great. Um, but it, it, like speech recognition is very difficult. And also, yeah. uh, one of the big problems is kind of where you choose someone is right or wrong, right? Because not only are there many ways to correctly pronounce a word, like in, in British English, bath and bath are, the, are like the same word and both are valid pronunciations. Um, but it's also like um uh different if you for, um, what's a good example uh the idea that you have to say like a, a word with a masculine or feminine um article before it so like in mm -hmm. german das and die uh and that even has neutral as well um you have to kind of when we get that back we have to compare what someone has said what we think they've said with what we're looking for and then decide whereabouts is the is the error so if they're like saying like the maybe that will give us multiple e's in the word the the and then we're like do we want to consider that as correct or wrong because it's it is correct but it's also like not how you would naturally say it perfectly so where is the line between right and wrong and how can we draw that and that's been a tough thing for us to work out yeah, that's an interesting challenge. It's, yeah, and we definitely get it wrong in places. So if you notice that, there's a report button to be like, mm, we think this word is too hard. <laughs> I did get it's that good. once saying that, and it was a quick, painless thing. Like normally, like that kind of pop up stops the game, and like it's a whole thing to fill out. Yours is real quick. Hey, this didn't seem like maybe it caught on port or whatever. Like it, it was really nice. The one time it yeah. happened to me. <laughs> well <laughs> thank you but what the first time it happens you're like this is nice the 50th time you're like this is the worst game in the world <laughs> one star on the quest door um we, well you know what? it was really interesting i remember having some discussions with uh some of the other developers on it and we were talking about so what you do is you go in the in one of the learning spaces you learn five words that you're told to learn then you go up and test them on the on the kiosk um, and it then goes through those five words and you have to do speech recognition correctly. And one of the developers was like, do you know people can cheat on this? And I was like, what? And they were like, you can like go up and the machine, the kiosk will show you the word that you have to learn. And you can just like walk into the space, pick up the object, listen to it, come back and then say the correct answer. How do we prevent this? And I was like, we don't want to prevent that, right? We want people to, to find ways to learn and able to get through the game. The outcome is not they successfully get five on this test. The outcome is that they learn the words <laughs> and the test is a way of reflecting that. And so with Namtown, it's really interesting because we're trying to like not put in constraints on people's interactions so that they can learn in a way that's best for them, but 
also um, allowing them that space to to explore things, which is why you can kind of skip any word if you're struggling with it. You're like, okay, I think I've got it, but I'm just going to skip it. Um, so it's kind of it's quite different to a normal game where you kind of put artificial hurdles in front of players that they have to surmount. It's yeah. kind of a a softer way of interacting, I think. And I think that's smart because if you got stuck on something, you're just like, you know what, screw this, I can't progress, I'm not coming back to this app. Because <laughs> yeah, I've seen that happen. So yeah. that's, that's good. Give the, give the user the choice <laughs> to police themselves. Yeah, that is it. It's people that are in charge of their own learning, right? Because the outcome of yep. Nowntown is not complete the game. We want them to feel confident in a language. And so they can, people can do what they want. That's what our Nowntown motto is. Um, and good luck to you. And I'm interested, like, because like you said, like, Nowntown isn't really like anything, but it feels like a, like a place. Like, the design is very unique where you have these areas um, to learn things, but then you have this airship you go back to, like, just kind of the whole setup. Like, how did you happen upon, like, or decide on, like, hey, we have an airship, and then there's the town and, and the interaction between that. Like, how did that come to be? Yeah, so we always wanted to, they really started with this idea of bringing color back as a great way of exploring and depicting language learning. Um, and we always wanted an island for it to be situated, and we wanted people to feel that they were in this place, and we wanted to put life into the island, um, kind of like, I don't know, Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon, um, Animal Crossing. We wanted this feeling of being in a location, and that location responds to you. Um, so the idea of the island and the places was always there. We also wanted to kind of come up with some explanation as to why you needed to learn this language in the game. Um, we don't want to make it too heavy, but we're like, there has to be like some kind of reason why this place uh, unlocks as you progress. So the rough underpinning story is you are some kind of uh, researcher or scientist or something um, from this agency that comes to islands that have lost their color and through your technology and your process of learning and expanding your brain it, it works with these technological systems to expand the color back to the island and then you kind of bring the island back to life and this was kind of informed by like uh, uh, cultural languages that are less used now. Um, often I think of Welsh in the United Kingdom, um, where there are uh, fewer speakers um, than like the past 100 years or so. Um, and the idea that if we don't use these languages, they do kind of like shrink up and evaporate. And that's a, that's a really big loss, I think, culturally. Yeah. Um, so that kind of informed it, the idea of well, how, can, how can we make sure that language continues and this was that's kind of what we were doing with this is language is linked to culture and life and in the game you come in to kind of help expand culture and life back to this island which has gone kind of gone gray and sad um and so that kind of led to us being like well we need somewhere that you come in on and we always wanted to have a place where you could customize your learning so on the airship what you can do is there's a, a machine we call the fabricator which you can pick any object you've learned and then you can fabricate a copy of it and then it stays in the place you leave it around your airship so we wanted a customizable home space where people can go i'm struggling with this word i'm gonna keep a copy of it so i can easily check it or i'm really proud i got this word or even just i want to play with the space and have a hundred manatees on my airship um, <laughs> which is possible um <laughs> so we wanted this location so kind of, 
Yeah. Well, you know, it happened. Uh, it happened to me when we were uh, building the game. I accidentally there was this glitch, which meant when you made one thing, it made about three hundred of them. So I ended up with an airship <laughs> full of manatees, and it was the day after we deployed the code. To anytime you create something, it saves it into your user account, so it's always there. So every time, normally you just turn it off and on, and you'd be fine. But after that day, every time I turned on, there was still three hundred manatees in my ship. <laughs> and, and the saddest thing is, we built a gun to like shoot at objects to destroy them, and oh. and that was before we put in the animals. And then we were like, oh no, now I have to shoot three hundred manatees <laughs> to get my ship back. It was like the saddest day of my VR game, life. Man, you gotta <laughs> save. You gotta save that for like the sequel game. Like, <laughs> all right, I'm going yeah, back into downtown cool. with a gun. Downtown's taken over by like you know some weird thing. There's like, animals everywhere, and you gotta shoot them to learn them. That's right. When we work out that no one's buying educational games, we'll be like, okay, well, downtown <laughs> to revenge of the words. Revenge <laughs> of the words. Uh, so yeah, so that kind of all came together to form this airship, and we wanted a single place where you kind of start because there's no menu when you load in we want it to be like quite frictionless to get to that experience where you do your regular um, tests so there's a repetition system that automatically keeps track of words you've learned and gives it to you at ideal intervals to help your memorization it's called spaced repetition and so that is right there you have uh, the other learns that you words that you place around you to help learn and you can kind of teleport and you get to see the island from a distance and go oh look look at the sense of progression i've got um, which is yeah. also something we really wanted in that space. It's really cool. That's really, like a lot of yeah. a lot of games, you know, like shooter games, everything. They're, they're like a checkpoint on a mini map, and people aren't looking at the world; they're looking at the HUD. And I think that's actually damaging to people's intelligence and you know all the other senses. So, like yours, that it's actual spatial and visual communication of progress and you know objectives and things. That's really cool. Yeah, but I also 100% don't blame them because having an entire island on like a draw screen <laughs> is super resource intensive. In fact, <laughs> I still spend a lot of my time being like, uh, how can we optimize this again? Because we're looking, we want to support the Quest 1, which is like way less powerful than the Quest 2, but we don't want to exclude those people from access. And also we're in talks to put it on other platforms. So we... And the other uh, VR headsets, uh, so Meta has this awesome technology called uh, ASW, um, Asynchronous Space Warp, which allows you to get like 30% more power out. So it's, um, I don't know if you guys know about it, it's essentially, you can, nope. um, I don't know if you guys know about it, um, but <laughs> you can essentially run the game at half the frame rate and it simulates the in-between frames. So you can really make a game that only needs to run at 36 frames a second, but people experience it at 72 frames a second, um, which is pretty awesome. But other platforms haven't built their own technology for this yet. Um, so we need to do some some super optimizations to get uh, Nowntown running on those with the same number of objects per scene and the same kind of interactions and things. Um, so every day I go to my computer, I'm like, how can we optimize Nowntown a little more? Um, and often I come up blank. <laughs> Let's cap the manatees to 100. Starting. Yeah, right? <laughs> How many manatees is too many manatees? That is the question I ask myself every morning. Normally we hear triangles, triangles, triangles. With you, it's manatees, manatees. manatees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I actually... So this is another tough thing when you're, when you're building the game, that no one's quite sure 
how the best way to optimize a game is in terms of what you're optimizing and also the best uh, approach. And it's kind of different for every game. Um, so we actually push a lot of triangles on screen, even though it might not look like it. When you go to a whole island, that's a lot of triangles. Um, and so what we consider the most painful thing are batches, which is the number of the times the CPU asks the GPU to produce an individual object. Um, so in Nowntown, sometimes it gets up to 1,500 batches where the game's like, okay, you need to draw this, you need to draw this, you need to draw this, and also you need to do this 36 times a second. Um, and so what we're trying to do is get our number of batches down from 1,500 to more like 200, and that will speed things up. So we feel in our game, it's quite naturally low in triangles, so we're roughly okay. It's our batches, which are a problem. So triangles and batches are the, the big quest uh, limiters. Gotcha. Batches the same as draw calls? Yeah, exactly. Um, Yep, and set pass calls as well. Uh, you saw the game? That screen version? Or is that? Uh, what was the question? Any any plans to make like a flat screen version to play on a Steam Deck or on a PC? That is exactly what we're doing. Thank you for turning us into our marketing <laughs> question. So, <laughs> sponsored content. Um, we just announced our, um, our desktop version. We're calling it desktop or isometric because we plan on bringing it to Steam and Steam Deck and Switch and hopefully Xbox and PS4. Um, and that's interesting because we designed the game <laughs> with VR in mind. So we're like, how can we keep the benefits of Nowntown with removing the hand-based interaction and the sense of space? So a lot of the, like in VR, for example, we have like, chop something, wash something, fly, yeah. and you're actually doing these things. Now we have to kind of make more abstract interactions for those, which is quite uh, interesting. Um, so how we're designing those is, is different. And it will be interesting to see how people respond to, the, to some of those differences. Hopefully, they think they're uh, interesting and motivating and uh, stimulating enough that they still kind of feel that embodied response to some extent. Um, but we'll yeah. we'll see. Hopefully, it'll be out in July or June. So to buy many copies, that would be great. <laughs> Just oh, ten. Wow, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> two's good. Thank you. That's great to hear. Like, obviously, I'm into VR, VR enthusiast, and want everything in VR. But um, both Wookie and I, like my wife and um, his girlfriend, can't play VR. Just physically, like my wife can't even have the headset on. Even if she's just sitting still, like for ten minutes, like she can get a headache. Um, she gets a headache, at, or like she gets nauseous at some movie scene. So it's it's very unfortunate. So it's neat to have games go from VR. Like we see games start out on VR, come to VR, but and we've seen a few start in VR and then go to flat screen, which is kind of more rare. But it's nice to at least like this. Like, hey, if I'm excited about this, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, I wish you could just put the headset on. And so when it comes to flat screens that she can handle it's much it's nice for me because i can then show her what i've been talking about and annoying her about for a while so <laughs> i can't yeah. wait to check it out <laughs> it's and what we're trying to do um hopefully we'll succeed is we're going to take all of the learning data that's in the vr game and create a way to uh, learn the same things in the desktop game and then we're trying to make this kind of uh, Nowntown ecosystem where your save file can be linked between them. Maybe there'll also That's be a awesome. web portal where you can like keep up with your words on you go. Because we know like 
people, especially adults, they don't always get to put on their VR headset every day. They don't always get to get to the game console every day, but you do want to keep on track of your regular spaced learning. Yeah. So we're hoping we can go, okay, you've got VR, that's one way of accessing it. We've got desktop or um, isometric view, which is the other way. And then you've also got this kind of web view where you can keep on top of your learnings. This idea that your learning is uh, however it's good for you at the time, rather than just you're stuck in this space. I love mm -hmm. that that look, that theory, and that look out. <laughs> look. Mm. Yeah, that look. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's great the news that you're doing that, because, like, you're saying, my girlfriend, she can't play driving. The only driving game she can play, she says, is the uh, Mario Kart on the Astenia. The only driving game that will make her sick. And if I'm playing, like, Grand Theft Auto, I have a projector up there. She's sitting on the couch reading something. And she can see any of the screen up here, like just a slice of the screen. That will make her sick before she knows it. Like she's not even watching the game. She just in there. She has to have like, like one of those reading pillows with like little arms on it. She <laughs> so she can read. She has to have like a shield. So, yeah. 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 Well, you know what? I've, I someone uh, was doing one of my when I was doing some uh, research for my PhD. Someone was telling me about. Uh, it was a, a difference in the uh, sexes between how we perceive distance. And mm -hmm. men typically perceive distance um, using the uh, different, put more emphasis mentally on perceiving distance uh, between the uh, convergence of our two different eye perspectives. So in VR, that's mainly what we fix, right? We put some lenses in front of your eyes, and then it helps you understand the distance that you're seeing. That's why we think of this as kind of 3D. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Apparently, uh, women place, people born as women, um, place more mental emphasis on uh, shadowing and the, like the, the kind of uh, structure of shadows to recreate 3D in their brains. And therefore, why there's a lot higher amount of simula VR simulator sickness for female players is because that is not really accommodated, right? That's a game design choice rather than a, a property of the technology. So there's kind of this implicit sexism in the design of uh, VR headsets and how they work. Um, mm. That's what I got told. I haven't researched any of that. So whether it's true, I don't know. Um, but she was another researcher and she was telling me about it. So it, it seems like... That, uh, that's, that, that sucks because shadows are one of the hardest things to do in games. <laughs> So, like, if you're already pushing that limit near your shadows, you got to tone those down. Oh, mm. that sucks. That's interesting. Very yeah. Interesting. I mean, I probably should have double-checked that before I came on a platform and told everyone about it. Um, no, just, but people can, people can find that. Do your own maybe. research. Uh, yeah, head to Google Scholar and <laughs> type in some things. Um, so, but yeah, right, it's sad. Kind of my next question was, with your background, like, how did you, for Nowntown, like, obviously, we kind of described, like, why you're doing it in VR and, and then looking at other options, but how did you personally, like, get into VR and, and, and programming? Like, is this your first app game? Or is this, have you done a few others? Or like, what, like, Where'd you come from, mister? <laughs> <laughs> you invited me, man. I came from like this, this decade. Um, 
So I've always been like into programming things since I was a kid, like uh, back when the internet was like uh, young and mysterious in the early 2000s. Um, and then my early professional career was as a UX designer. Um, so I spent a lot of time optimizing the journeys of uh, websites so that they were um, less annoying and less painful, but also to Thank an you. extent. Just kind of, yeah. Well, you say that, but actually a lot of UX is kind of like not user experience, it's like corporation experience, right? It was going, how do I get a user to do what this company wants you to do on our website with the least possible friction? Um, Thanks which, a lot. I didn't, yeah, I know, right? Ah, I've just been <laughs> manipulating you for the good of corporate overlords. You are welcome. Um, so yeah, I kind of didn't, I didn't like that after a while. It kind of felt like I was just using design to make people do, and you know, it like, people benefit from non-frustrating experiences and achieving what they want. But also some of it's kind of like, ah, oh, we are making it easier to achieve corporate goals. So which is the real <laughs> the real benefit of this? So then I was like, well, what do I actually want to do? And I kind of got onto a uh, funded PhD, um, which let me look at virtual reality. Um, and at the same time as this, while I was at my corporate UX job, I was uh, a digital artist. I was a new media uh, artist. Um, so I did a couple of exhibitions um, in different places, showing off like uh, interactive, uh, interactive technology to kind of uh, make people think about how they interact with stuff. Um, so, for example, uh, one of those was I trained, I downloaded all my Facebook and WhatsApp and email history, and I took all of my messages and I trained a chatbot to um, kind of respond based upon the history of all my messages and I put that in a public gallery and people could come up and talk to this uh, chatbot version of me. Um, it was rubbish, really terrible. Um, <laughs> but AI was worse back then. Um, but yeah, and also kind of cringeworthy to see the things that it would say because most of the messages were from my like early 20s. And I was like, oh no, that's who I was? Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but I, I guess that was like, I was always interested in this kind of like cutting edge or new ways of interacting or finding new ways or novel ways to kind of present these interactions with people. Um, so in VR, I was really curious about what an action is, right? What is a, what does it mean to do an action? And this kind of stemmed from Grand Theft Auto V. I don't know if you guys played it. Probably you mentioned you did. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> just a tiny. <laughs> There's that scene where it's a torture scene and it's like, press X to torture the guy. Um, oh, yeah. You get, I, I remember a car battery and stuff in it. That's it. That's exactly it. Um, and I remember being like, I don't want to torture the guy. Like, <laughs> not how I want to spend my spare time. And I that scene like plays in my mind a lot. So I was like, would that be worse in VR when I'm actually yes. physically picking up the things and I'm a attaching them to his nipples? I think maybe. Yeah. Just, um, You're, yeah. um, and then intimidating and like rubbing them together the spark and stuff. It was like. I don't want to do this, but it's like they put so much work into this. It's like, what's right. going on? And you can't progress here? without it either. So it's like you have to do this. <laughs> like the um, Call of Duty airport scene where you got to like mo like you're mm -hmm. playing the bad guys for five minutes and you just you have to kill like three hundred people. And it's like I don't. Yeah. You. <laughs> exactly right. And I always like I'm super curious how that feel if you're more immersed in that interaction you were physically doing it but i was also aware like often you play like uh especially if you like you play like a, a shooting game and you're like ah you're dead you're dead you're dead next scene they were bad guys because they were shooting at me dead 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 dead, dead. Um, nazis or something you know 
And I, I also thought that was super interesting that I'd be like, oh, would I be uncomfortable torturing this guy? But I'm like killing all of these people. I don't mind in virtual reality. So it was <laughs> super interesting to me to like, what is, how do you feel about these actions? And is there a difference? Mm. That led me into language learning because it, there's lots of research in the physical world about uh, language learning and actions and gestures and not doing actions, making a difference to how you think about things and how you form memorizations. Um, so if you learn a word not doing anything, it's the worst learning. If you learn a word by gesturing without actually physically engaging with an object so you're like are pouring a jug of water but you're not actually touching the water you're just doing this um compared with an action which is picking up the jug and pouring the water out there are different kind of uh, memory traces i guess or memory experiences um and i was wondering if i could use that and put it in vr and see if there were any kind of differences or distinctions um and that would kind of give us some clue about how we cognitize our uh, embodied hand-based actions in a in a virtual space um and that research while it was going on led to Nowntown because i went down this language learning vr rabbit hole um and i did some while during the phd we got to do master's modules we got to do academic study for months in different subject areas one of those for me was applied linguistics which kind of leaded in led into this talking about language skills that leaded um, um led into this and then my research kind of said, okay, actually actions are important in virtual reality. They do, at least in the small studies that I did, um, they did show a difference to not doing the actions, which means they are meaningful. And the actions were also different from gestures, which means when you think you're interacting with a virtual object or when you are interacting with a virtual object, your brain treats that as different from just doing gestures without that virtual object. Um, so that kind of, one answered one of my big questions, but two led into the design of, of Nowntown. And so Nowntown was based upon that curiosity about what VR can do, what is thinking in VR, what benefits does thinking in VR do, or the design of VR experiences for thinking, and also um, how can we best do language learning in a, using a technology, computer-aided language learning, it's called in research. Nice. This endeavor fantastic. I hope you guys all actually listened to that part. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm so sorry. So many times when I get interviewed on these things, I'm like, here is a very long rant about no, like no, five minutes. About. That's it's, super it's interesting. Yeah. I think people would notice a lot of that, like intrinsically, but sometimes they don't have the curiosity to fully explore it. And they're just like, oh, that's weird. And then let me go shoot that back in the dead body. I'm going to keep shooting it um, <laughs> or something. But you know, it, it's a special kind of person you that would be like how is this effect like what's that whole next step that's, that's pretty rad yeah a guy with a lot of spare time that's what you need so <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's how focus just be like you know not lose track of any of those uh, esoteric thoughts before you complete your little investigation it's crazy yeah four-year investigation okay <laughs> So I'm curious, so Downtown launched in December um, on Quest 2, and then was it two weeks on SteamVR after yep. that or so? Have you yep. had anyone, like content creators or just someone personally sending you a message saying, hey, I've played this every day since it came out, and just start talking another language, here's what I learned? Have you had anything like that yet? 
you know, no one has come up to me and spoke the the other language, which is super disappointing, actually. Um, but we have had so many people be like, this is really making me memorize stuff. This is helping me learn. I couldn't learn before. Now I can. Um, words are sticking in my brain a lot stronger. Um, and surprisingly, we thought this would be very good for beginners. But what intermediates have said is, one, I get to pick up novel new vocabulary. Two, it's fun to just practice what I know. And three, when I talk to the characters, some of those sentences um, I've never heard or experienced before. So there's actually something for me in the interactions with characters. Um, nice. So it was nice to hear that it's like going across the spectrum of language ability. Um, and just if like some of the reviews we, we get are so like complimentary and kind. And we've also got like, the I know everyone probably says that, we've got the best Discord community. We've got about like, <laughs> seven eight thousand members in there and nice. people are so passionate and interested and engaged and they're sympathetic to what we're doing and we'll do something stupid and they'll be like guys it's okay you know you're, you're trying to <laughs> make a new way of learning so yeah. it's all right you've done this stupid thing three times in a row um so I, it's just great discord has is so interesting and has become such a support tool for devs from what i gather like because we talk to a lot of devs, obviously, but it is so interesting that, it, you know, basically a chat thing that, which has been around for a long time, but just giving the devs like support and that channel to like directly communicate, like with indie devs, especially like, it's just so insane how, how that's grown over the last couple of years to me. But, yeah. And ours was very deliberate. Like when we started working on it, we were like, we're going to have a discord, which is where the team is going to do all of our communication. And it's going to be the same discord where people can come talk to us. So like anyone who's working on Nowntown is in there in the same place where the community is. And that's so awesome. we can have those conversations. Yeah. It just, it felt like it made sense. Right. I want people to feel like their, like their experience and their experience of the game is super valid and what they say is really interesting and useful to us and also when they say nice things like that makes our day when people are like oh this yeah. is a great experience it's like it's not like I, I i would love if gamers knew but like for these small studios like what they say we get to see it and when you take the time to like leave a nice review it, it kind of brightens up everyone on the team's day. We're like, ah, oh, great, it was worth it. We're not just pushing this into a void and no one's no one's engaging with it. So that's why, one, our, our Discord is so great. We have that communication. And two is so many people are so willing to offer up their time to help and be interested. And that's super, like, great for us. Like, not only does it, not only is it flattering that people want to do that, but yeah. it's also amazing that the amount of skills that we can get. So our QA, um, is mostly volunteers like it's almost entirely people who are just giving up their time being like yeah we'll we'll test the release for a couple of days before you put it out to everyone else to make sure that um nothing's terribly broken and that's just like people taking time out of their days probably busy days where they could be doing all yeah. kinds of other things and they're willing to to share it with us and like we we check all of our translations but we check that with volunteers and we also get first source translations from volunteers um so like everything has this contributions from the community at the heart of it and that's like super nice for us that's awesome i say that and i'm like in like 200 discords and i like time is a thing like there's a few that i make sure to check in regular but the rest i it makes me feel bad sometimes i'm like 
I haven't talked to them for like four months. Like, <laughs> yeah, we do know this. We're like, where's that guy? He was so passionate yeah. like six months ago, and now, and then you're like, is he dead? I hope he's okay. Yeah, and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a nice little community tool, and I'm, I'm. It's just amazing to me. Um. Yeah, and I forgot my next question. <laughs> I could talk about Discord for another four hours. That's a... <laughs> so oh, I remember what I was going to say, and so I often with with anything with any app trying to make me learn shit, <laughs> um, I go back to like my high school days, like old you know young little PJ in a high school room didn't do well because high school rooms are boring, and he tried to make them more in entertaining and interactive to the chagrin of his teachers. Um, called disruption. Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> But I had a Spanish class, and I, I was just telling someone that I spent most of Spanish class in the hallway because of my disruptions. Yeah, there's a funny story there that I, yeah, that I won't share. But um, if this was a thing back then, like I could probably be living uh, anywhere in the world right now, speaking languages, because this really captures my focus and helps me learn to where the old you know classroom teaching even with great teachers and all that you know is is just like to some people it's like this sucks i don't want to be here unfortunately so no i that, think this is that amazing. story it resonates super well with me i was a my uh french was my worst class at school i was a we like we had to learn french or german i went to my german teacher i was like do you think i should learn german or french and she was like you should learn French because you're horrible at German. And then I was also <laughs> horrible at French. Um, and yeah. so, like, I, I can feel that so strongly. And, I, and like, I, this is what Nowtown is for. It's for a lot of people who struggled with traditional language learning. Like, but that's kind of where we take the, the keys from in order to make this game. It's like, what was bad about the way that we teach languages and how can we make it? better and often people keep giving me like recommendations they're like you should speak to this polyglot he speaks nine language he'll give you the clues on how you can uh, put that in the game and i'm like i don't really want to speak to them because they are already good at language learning the existing methods are working for yeah. them. i'm trying to come up with methods that work for people who struggle or get disinterested by it or just have been left behind by the way in which we already teach languages. And so I'm yeah. more interested in talking to people who are like you, who are like, I had a terrible time. It was the worst. I don't know how. I, I, a lot of people didn't see a way in which they could learn a language before we showed them this. And then they're like, oh, actually, I could learn a language like that. I really think I could. And that was yeah. the best praise we could get. It legit makes me want to, to literally yeah. learn Spanish and then go find my old Spanish teacher and be like, look, <laughs> look what I did. <laughs> Yeah, it's you because... know I feel bad about this because language teachers are great. They have impossible. How do you teach a language yes. to thirty people at the same time? Right? It's it's like impossible. What I would love to see is people like get to spend thirty minutes in downtown, and then maybe they could summon the teacher in when they're stuck, or afterwards they could talk about what they'd learned with their teacher. And I feel like that would be a transformative experience for learning. And, yeah, that you, would be. You could have conversations about. Yeah, that would build more association. They should. And be and I say that, like, I'm not dissing teachers at all. Like, it was just myself. Like, I've had three teachers literally say, like, the first time they had me in their class, they're like, 
you're very disruptive and you're a terrible student. And within, by the end of whatever term semester you want to call it, whatever it was, they're like, you're my best student ever. Even if I didn't learn anything, like I have a couple of teachers like that, like you're just awesome, but you, you failed the class. <laughs> That's so, a funny old high school source. Cause I was two years younger than PJ. So I was coming up a little bit behind him in the same school. More than one teacher at our last name and looked up with like that look like from a, from a television sitcom, like, ah, and I was like, like one guy's like, are you going to ask me what makes Rice Krispies talk? Like the biology teacher. And I'm like, what? And all this crap. Cause he's, I thought that would have stayed for two years later, like still in that yeah. guy's mind. It still does. Cause I ran into him a couple, like a year ago and I'm very old. Well, not super old, but like I was not, I haven't been in high school for a couple decades. We'll put it that way. And I asked him my first time I'm like, cause it was, you know, a science class. I'm like, what would a chair look like if our legs bent the other way? And he's like, like he stopped class. He's like, okay, you guys at study hall. Like, I just, he's like, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> so yeah, I was, it was weird. I don't know. And he's not teaching the core important material that needs to be learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I had the same guy for anatomy and like, you know, I was good at dissecting things, but to name, like remember and name things like, and we'd color these charts and I just like scribble them and he'd hang them on the wall. He's like, that's awesome. But you fail. <laughs> and that yeah, was weird. Bringing it back so, to yeah, this is... and gamification. In that French class where I made an ass of myself, and just be large room fee. I'm a little girl. Um, bonus points if anybody remembered that. Um, I got so good at French, and I don't know if it was the teaching method. Um, student teacher was hot. Maybe I paid attention. I don't know. But the older lady who was getting ready to retire, and so she was training her, you know, replacement. She liked me so much. I was so good at learning French, and I don't remember hardly any of it now. But I was playing like this Versailles game where you're like, it's like a click through video game mystery on her PC in the mid, you know, was that 96 maybe? <laughs> but, uh, I remember so having a demo of that, I think. It, it might have been the same one, but that was my French class for like the whole semester because I got so good that she's like, like you said, teaching 30 people at a time. She's like, I don't need to worry about this asshole. Let me work on the 29. And this, I'm just over here learning words from the video game. And I'm like, I found the locket. She's like, because there's like, you know, stuff you got to find. Like there's a secret door. You got to twist the candelabra after you learn how to stay candelabra and whatever, you know, like, <laughs> like that. And she was like, how did you find the locket in the middle of class? <laughs> and it was really funny. So, yeah, but I didn't retain it. And that's the huge problem. So I'm hoping stuff like this will, you know, anybody can memorize and learn if they spend enough time, but. It's all going to go away if you don't experience it. And I think this is no. the next bit. We've talked many times on the podcast how VR is tied to memory and you remember things, things feel real. You have, you, some people dream about after being in VR type of thing. So I think that lends really well to learning, like you guys are saying. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, can I pause one second? I need to grab a power cable my oh, quest it's been so used in the development it now can't last an hour it's very sad gotcha uh, i'll be once i'm gonna do like the limp body thing that happens yeah. when people disappear well, okay you'll speak spanish what the entire time you're gone spanish 
Did you just mix Spanish and French? Because that's perfect. I just did. <laughs> it's too early for this. Spanish. <laughs> I'm a Spanish teacher, which I don't know if I want to bore him with another story of high school, but then uh, that's where there was a lady that taught French and Spanish. So I had her for yep. Spanish and the other lady for French. I was taking both in that two-year span because it was only at that high school that you graduated from like two years. Mm-hmm. And she said, and this is still traumatizing me, so this is why people need therapy, because you get traumatized and you keep it. She said, if you ever catch me speaking a word from the other language, we'll have a pizza party that Friday. <laughs> and I've caught her. I don't know if it was multiple times. My brain wants to say so, but it was at least once, because I'm sitting there I'm in, in French class, in Spanish, and she says something in French, and I was like, that's French, bitch. <laughs> and she Funny. was like... It is not. And she was so mad because I can catch her. <laughs> um, PJ just invented another language you need to put in Noundtown. Sure. Called Spench. It's <laughs> a mix of Spanish and French. I'm pretty sure my dad speaks that. <laughs> <laughs> I have some terrible memories as a child of him That's saying awesome. definitely the wrong language in the wrong country. <laughs> Being in the back of the car, being like, why aren't these windows tinted? How can I not escape this situation? <laughs> <laughs> haven't invented those little pull-down visors yet for babies. <laughs> they need those for like teenagers to hide from their parents in the back of the car. <laughs> Don't look yeah. at me. I'm emo today. <laughs> um, but the VR and learning, and this can sound weird because Americans, um, and I don't really want to condone gun violence because it seems to be on the rise. But we first started playing VR, we're playing that Pavlov game that everybody's played a million times, I'm sure. And we have to figure out how to reload the guns. And the big light machine gun thing especially was like, where do I put the belt? It was really wicked. Um, but some games have a certain gun that um, is in a lot of video games. And we had some interesting times with some neighbor people. So now I own a gun and I really wanted to, but I bought the fancy Spec Ops gun because I was like, well, I need something that's going to maybe get me to the gun range to learn how to use it. And I picked it up and I knew how to reload it before I knew how to disassemble. I didn't read the manual and I was like putting the things and I was like, how do I know how? Oh, VR, because you're pulling the bolts back. <laughs> like this one's a really weird, it's different because some of like the M14s, you just pull these things back. And thankfully, the games have a little marker. But I was like, I just picked it up. I'm like, I'm like holy crap, because you got to pull this handle out, and it turns it into a lever, and then you got to pull that back. But my brain was like, I do this for this gun. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, did I just relive a memory from somebody else? <laughs> it's like training? the Matrix. The knowledge yeah, was just was downloaded like, into your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was just like, chukunk, and I'm like, wait a minute. I, it literally, it was so weird because it's such a weird mechanism. Like, I don't think I've ever, any other guns like that. And I was like, it's, I, I can't explain how strange that thing was. So the only thing I can think of is because my brain already had the muscle memory, even though I've had never held the gun before in real life. So there's weight and all this other stuff to it. Really heavy. Everything that looks. And then just the fact that my left arm was like, oh, you just do this. And it's just like, where did that come from it still weirds me out um um so yeah. vr repetition it, it feels like you're in the moment you know like it's not just a video game you're actually you know the chair is actually here in my visual space so 
I think there's so much more learning could do, VR could do for learning. So I'm excited that PhDs have too much time on their hands at some point in their life are just <laughs> making it work. Uh, yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing. It's like the question now is not if it works, but what it works for, and also where we can make it better than the real world, and whether that's accessibility or cost or just like much better learning outcomes. Where like each of these will be different for each subject, and it will depend on how the game is designed and made. But I guess that's the question we're trying to make. I think we're past the question of can we learn in VR? Will it be good for learning? But what is it good for? How do we make it good for this subject? And like you said, with like, you know, the Welsh language shrinking and stuff like that. I love languages and I love the, the historical things on that stuff. If somebody would say like, if you uproot your life, move over here to Wales, learn as much as you can and make some sort of little VR role-playing game about Welsh history. So it teaches people like mixed teaching in with the game. I'd be like, yep, I'd do it. I would, I would totally do that. <laughs> like to keep the language alive is like a noble pursuit, but then to help people learn it and then to find out all those neat things about a historical culture, all this stuff. Cause some of those words in Welsh are like, what? Like, <laughs> I don't know if you know it, PJ, if you've seen it before, but you'll have like, correct me if I'm wrong, cause you might have more knowledge of Welsh, anything, but like, I think I've seen words that are like 20 characters long and there's mm -hmm. consonants upon consonant. Like, I don't know how to pronounce it. They're yeah, it's wacky. A, no it's offense. It's a fascinating language. Yes. Fascinating is better than wacky. Cause it's like, just look up like news reporters saying Welsh words and you know, the people get accolades for like nailing the word and so nuts, but yeah, it's, I don't want it to disappear. <laughs> It, yeah, it's amazing. You see it and you're like, this is an amazing language that is totally impenetrable to me. If I was to look at a textbook to try and understand that, I'd be like, I'm not going to get anywhere. It's just impossible. Um, I mean, is people that... do. People do learn it from textbooks, I guess, but not for me. It's... How do you learn that pronunciation? Because like, if you learn anything about the English language from one side of the pond or other, consonants don't do that. You got vowels. You need some vowel in the middle of that. Like, <laughs> our brain works in the such a way approach that you can take... <laughs> you just smack my face on it, see if the letters stick and make a word out of it. Um, like our brain works such a way that you can take a word. I've I've meant to do this in like Warcraft because I made a, a chat add-on for that before. But like take each word as it gets typed, mess up every word in the middle. But as long as the first two words or the first and last word are the same, your brain can skip over and kind of get it. And you can still yeah. read it. It looks like complete gibberish. That's like Welsh, but the words are like 40 characters long. But I think yeah. just mixing the audio and video and all that together because is super like important and helpful because you hear that from people that read a lot of books. Like that's the first time I've heard that said out loud. I thought it was this, you know, type of thing. So like you said, yeah. if you don't hear it, you don't really know how to pronounce it anyway. Yep. <laughs> that's that famous uh, Simpsons bit when Marge is like, run like the wind. And Lisa's like, it's wind, Mom. And she's like, oh, I've only ever seen him. Um, but yeah, it happens especially in second languages, right? You're like, is this the yeah. right thing? Yeah. Um, and that's why in Nantown, actually, for every object, we have like four speakers. Um, so every time you pick it up to your ear, you'll probably hear a different speaker saying it. Because we were like, we don't want you to just hear it once. We want you to hear it 
from how lots of people would say it. That's fair. That's awesome. God, that's yeah. yeah, I think you, you're doing, you and the team are doing amazing work with this, like, I feel <laughs> like I, I, we say it a lot of times on the podcast, like we're gamers from, you know, growing up and stuff. So that's how we got into VR, but apps like this that teach things or, you know, bring humanity forward or culture, you know, forward more than other, other types of gaming have really, really reached me more than just straight up like a shooter in VR. Like these things interest me way more than, and than games ever have. And that's weird to me, but it's also awesome. So, yeah, it, you know, it's nice. It's nice for us to use it as like a thing. Like, ah, oh, we can feel good about ourselves. We're improving humanity, but also like, I I feel that it also presents so many novel types of interaction that we have to uh, try and solve and try and present to people. And I honestly think that's what a lot of gamers want in all fields, right? So often you yes. see especially in the field of like first person shooters, I guess, is you feel like, oh, it's in a new setting or they've added this new singular weapon. And I'm like, I want to be able to destroy the wall, right? And then, then the AI responds to the cover. That was in Red Faction back in the early <laughs> 2000s. So why is, have we stopped doing that? And why are we not doing Breaking more the wall things and like this? Um, yeah, well, you could fire a rocket launcher as well. And it would like, you could yeah. tunnel using <laughs> rocket launcher blasts between two spaces. And then, and I just think about that a lot with first person shooters, right? I'm like, we've, we've got really good at reproducing this standard first person shooter mechanic can we put in like tiny little different things like apex legends has a lot of movement in it for example um but i really want to see like like the for me one of the amazing things about Nowtown is that we had to come up with whole new ways of interacting we weren't expecting and had to try and solve those and some might be a little clunky some might feel very intuitive um and but it's it's nice it gets to ask those gameplay questions right but yeah. so often i feel like games are and not especially AAA games are not really asking those big gameplay questions and i think that might be part of yeah. what is stimulating as well right as you go now town that is weird and some of it's weird good some of it's weird bad whereas a lot of games are just like <laughs> oh it's it's quite good but quite safe and i wish we yeah. had more like yeah. more weird weird you know yeah and i mean i know remember when you stopped playing focus. call of duty so much you stopped playing Call of Duty so much, it's kind of exactly what you said. It was like Call of Duty Ghost when the Xbox One first came out, and you get it on like the 360, and you'd get a free copy of it for the next console. And the only thing different about it was they added like knee slot. You could run and then hit crouch, <laughs> and you'd go sliding for a ways. So you could get, skip across the doorway and shoot while you're sliding or something. That was it. It was kind of like, what? And then I don't think we played it. That was a short run. <laughs> and there's one, I think we played like one of the other Black Ops games. But no. There's where's the ingenuity with all the money going into that. Right. Yeah. So that's, and that might be like a very ignorant thing for me to say. Maybe there's huge things that go on behind the scenes that make no, a smoother right. experience that I don't understand. <laughs> um, but I just I want something like it feels. Yeah, I want something that feels weird to me. That's what I like in games. Yeah. Is I open it and I go, "This is different." I mean, all beautiful and very story driven. But um, I like to I would... pop the headset on, just encounter something I've never seen before, and, and I love the feeling of not knowing what the hell's going to happen. You know, because <laughs> mm -hmm. like in a in a normal traditional game, you okay, Call of Duty, I'm going to do these missions. As great as it is and as fun as it can be, I've done this. 
like VR allows you to like you you literally popped into a world with a lot of titles and you're like okay what the hell am I why am I here where am I type of thing and you just explore so it's yeah. really it's, and I have a big complaint about the uh, the Meta Quest um, interface, for example. So as soon as you put on the headset, you're essentially greeted by like a flat world that you can't do anything in, yeah. and then like a, a UI, <laughs> like a flat like phone menu UI, and you're like, yeah. come on, this is like, why, why am I not seeing like uh, avatars of my friends moving around in the virtual game that yep. they're in to the right hand side, and I can go over to that and look at it, or like uh, the games in my library, are, like. 3d representations that are playing out a little in front of me or like why why am i not why is my interaction in this basic space not spatialized instead i've got steam on a headset view and that is i'm sure that's great for a lot of people but for me i'm like come on we've we've built space right we've built space and we've built this thing where we can do stuff let's let's use these parts um the original yeah. Rift Home was awesome because you'd have the game mm -hmm. titles on a table. You could pick it up, put it in a console, and it launched the game. Mm. It's like, that was awesome. Why did we take that away? <laughs> it's been time, like, organizing the games to look like it was lived in and the thing with TV and the, the table there, and you'd pick up that game, and, like, that was so cool. Yeah, you know what? My, my Rift Home is, like, super weird. There's this giant, like, turtle that's, like, floating in the air up here. <laughs> And there's a dinosaur whose head is half out of the floor. And then my stuff is floating in space out the windows. And I'm like, great. I'm glad I can do this, right? Because this is, I don't have to arrange it like my house in the real world. I can like, yeah. yes, I can put like laser targets outside the neighbor's house and shoot because it's VR. I can do what I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's super cool. I really, I really love every time my quest loads into link mode, I'm like, oh, my home. <laughs> Yeah, I wish yeah. we could bring some elements of like interactivity and gameplay into into those things. Weird, weird VR. I love weird VR. That's my as long as yes, they work. Because sometimes I load into Steam VR, land across the you know VR desktop or virtual desktop into the PC and stuff like that, and you load into Steam Home, and everything's like stuck and frozen half the time. Like sometimes it works fine. Sometimes I'm like I'm trying to get into a game, and it's like I don't want to troubleshoot the menu here. <laughs> as long as that's yeah. the UX thing, okay. and I'm all on board. No, that that's true. We have that trouble a lot developing because we have the Steam version, so we switch between runtimes between like the Oculus runtime and the Steam runtime, and Quest headsets and an Index. And the whole computer is just like, "What are you doing? Why can you not just pick one VR thing to experience?" <laughs> Why? Um, so yeah, Steam is quite problematic for us sometimes in terms of uh, easy. Easy VR. That's when it works, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's only so off. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm super into you know those uh, um, photogrammetry like settings. There's a really cool Steam scene inside like some guy's house somewhere, and I used to love having that as my default Steam. Being like, well, look, it's like this kind of ghostly, weird copy of someone's place with like artifacts everywhere. It was yeah, yeah awesome. I love that. I'm really that in my yeah, something in the Oculus Home had like photogrammetry stuff up there. It's like a museum. And the girlfriend again, she's the like she has to sit in the front seat of the car. She'll get car seat that kind of thing. Um, she put it on, put the headset on. I'm like, easy now. And she was like, just thought it was so neat. She kept like you know turning and spinning around. And I'm like, this is not going to end well. But she was having fun. She's like, it was worth it. And she spent like a couple hours and like sitting there by the toilet in the bathroom. And it was just. <laughs> 
night ruined, but she was like, that was so cool. But again, yeah. she can't do it. <laughs> it's stuck. That does suck. We need to work on the shadows. Now we'll see if that <laughs> But on that same topic, like I think it's Drift Space VR. It's an app where people can just upload like um, their mm -hmm. captured media. And one of the coolest things, I think, because I live in Wisconsin, I've done some traveling, not a whole lot, but I like to experience other culture stuff. So like you said, just being in someone's home from another country and just looking at it, it's like, that's really freaking cool to me. Like just seeing different things that I would never see in a million years. Like there's no way I'd ever be in that person's home in real life. Like ever. Thank God for them. <laughs> <laughs> this guy but again. Why is he... Just to see yeah. how like, you know, just layouts and like knickknacks and things like, it's just interesting to me. It's, yeah, it's really cool. It's, photos yeah. of Sweden. And there's like a lot of like, it looks like a carbon copy red house. If you've seen that, like a lot of them look very similar and all like just deep red. And then the insides are like the most clean, futuristic space you'd ever see. It doesn't match the outside of the house at all. I'm like, what's this about? It's different from what I'm used to. I just I want to know why. Just yeah, seeing other cultures. Cool. It's, it's super cool. And the, the only thing I would say about them is, and it's not like for the real photogrammetry ones, I'm like, these are amazing. For computer game environments, I remember this with the, uh, Arizona sunshine, being so frustrated that like I was like, this environment's cool. Go to pick something up, can't grab it. Go to pick something up, can't grab it. And being like, no, my whole experience is tainted. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'm asking too much, but just a beautifully rendered photogrammetry place where I can pick up every object. That would be yeah. uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, is there anything we didn't get to that you want to talk about with downtown or yourself? Um, uh, no, I think that's covered. I promoted myself as being like a qualified PhD. I've told people to buy downtown. I've tried to convince people <laughs> of our future plans. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, no, I think that is it. I would say to people like, please come, come try it. I do think it is uh, a really like, if you, if you hated language learning, then come try it. That's what I would say because and i, I would agree with that 100 <laughs> percent. it's and stick with us like we've got a long-term plan one of our we have like a couple of things we want to push language learning forward and we want to do it affordably so it's like a 15 dollar game which uh we want to update indefinitely so our hope is we can just keep getting new sales and then we can keep updating downtown for years and years to come with more learning content and turn it into like a fully full system and that's compared to like on a, in a marketplace where often you have to pay for a big subscription, which costs like 60 to a hundred dollars a year. Like we hated yeah. the idea of that. So we're like, can we do this in a way where it's affordable and helpful and useful? Um, so if you like that idea, then also please come support us, join us in our discord. Um, the link is at noun.town and then you can click the link. Um, I'll join us in Discord, links guys. in the show notes. For both audio and video as well, you can just click on it there. Join us, join their Discord. We'll pop in. <laughs> Please you do. You interrupted the group hug. Uh, yeah, maybe we can like do this. <laughs> nice, We're like a kaleidoscope <laughs> um, swimming thing. <laughs> we have to make some like interpretive dance. The Mario game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 
these I don't know if you chose these avatars out of necessity or speed, but I think they're great. I think you really like there's a lot of character that comes across with like this. See, um, like, we, we get a mix right now, but yeah. <laughs> I still want to leave them in there after we've updated and we don't need it. It's going to be like a special character avatar. But like the best time we've we've had, like some people just rip on them and won't even like join us because of it. It's weird. And yeah, <laughs> one guy we had on, he um, I always forget the name of games. What's that Asian RPG? The the anime one. I see it on Twitter all the time, and I retweet it. Oh, Discronia? Yeah, Tales of Discronia. Sorry, Discronia something. Um, oh, you're thinking of... Um, I'm really no, bad with names. G in it. Isn't it Magi? Runes of the Magus. Runes of the Magus, yes. We had the, the dev from that on, and he didn't go... We were in a different space, and he didn't go make an avatar. So he was like a cube head with pill hands, just kind of like this. And his interpreter had like an avatar. So he would be, you know, his Japanese, and he was the most animated person. It was the best awesome. time to see him go like, <clears throat> like when he's thinking, you could tell he was like crossing his legs with his hands. And he just, he was so animated with nothing. And I was like, and then he started wow. doing moves from the game. I'm like, all right, we have to do all the Street Fighter moves. Like, <laughs> he was explaining <laughs> fighting moves. Yeah. And he's like, super punch. <laughs> Oh, yeah, just a little imagination. That's it. That's uh, yeah. I think a, li a little goes a, a long way. I think photorealism is often quite overrated. This is what I'd like to do. I'd like to take all the AA studios and be like, take your AA like super realism budget and spend it on weird stuff to put in the game. Creativity. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, be my... don't steal this, anybody. I don't know. <laughs> as far as I want to take avatars, I want to put a marker in the game where you just kind of draw like. You don't take your head off, but you just draw your face as you see it in your camera and hit OK, and it goes away. And it's just like drawn on your little orb. That's it. Oh, man. Reminds me of the Joker, actually. It's kind of sinister. Scroll on your <laughs> face. Yeah, just crayon. Still, oh, I'm the Joker. But, but you're right. That probably would be a shortcoming. <laughs> I know we're trying to end the, the podcast here, but I just want to run something by you guys on this topic. Because you see, like, um, enthusiasts, uh, air quotes, uh, VR enthusiasts, like, hey, I've played Half-Life Alex. It's ruined VR for me. I can't play anything else because nothing else is as good. I'm like, that's a complete rubbish statement. I think it's, it's and I'm going to be a bit of an ass here, I think it's, like, personal creativity and stuff, like, like a game that has terrible graphics, but it's fun. Like, your mind should fill in... The, the hard rough spots and just allow you to have fun with that title for you know to a point because i you know we talk to devs and have we help share their games and stuff and then i see people like attacking those games i'm like i've had more fun in that game than i have on a 60 dollar game on on my xbox with a very nice setup like you can't tell me that game isn't fun and it's just like maybe it, you're just a boring person your imagination can't help people with that i don't know does that sound ridiculous in the way you got to manage your yeah. expectations so yeah it's we have like a lot of uh we yeah, have some did. critical reviews and some of them are very fair and others i i feel like ah that's like that's different to what we were presenting and so there's a, a gap between the expectations and the and the yeah, thing that you've you've got which is always always a shame but i do agree with you and also i think that one of the big things about virtual reality is like as soon as you're in 
you want to touch and grab and move and interact with this. And games that kind of trade that off in response for just being attractive is mm-hmm. is very sad. So I think the reason people like Alex so much is it's super interactive and also gets to be beautiful. And one of the big complaints people often have are um, things that are beautiful, but then not interactive. And I don't yeah. know, like Gorilla Tag, for example. Everyone loves <laughs> Gorilla Tag. And that, those graphics are from the PlayStation 1. Um, so um, it's like, yeah, I totally, I think a lot of people come on board with, with that. And the, like the, even the weirder things, yeah, okay. I definitely think it's some people struggle with and then unfairly complain. Like someone's yeah. trying something totally new here. So maybe give them some more, more slack. But I just think if every VR dev looked at themselves and went, how can I utilize the fact that we have hands and we can grab things yep. and, it, and we can do whatever we want to the world and it doesn't matter, right? Because you can reset it at the push of a button. Then we'd have like a world of really interesting VR games that can only be made in VR. And that would be yeah. super, super cool. And some of those, uh, the one I think about a lot is have you played Brass Tactics? Yep. Um, like you Love see the, <laughs> the focus of the other person's head and what they're looking at. And I love yeah. that, right? You like you don't get that in another game where you can look up and see where the other person's head is looking at the battlefield. So you can do secret tactics because you know they're not looking yes. this way. I was just gonna say because growing up with Wookie, <laughs> playing split screen games on a TV, <laughs> like we both could tell each other just without even looking, just know where they're at and how to go kill them. It's the same yeah. with that with the brass tactics. You kind of look where they're looking. Oh, they're not looking over here. Sneak attack time. Like <laughs> I haven't played that, but is is that like an RTS where, where we would all be playing on the tabletop? Yeah, so, exactly. So like you're doing your moves over there, and if I can like, oh, what's that? And then like sneak my spies over here, and they're in the shadow. That would be such a cool idea. Yeah, yeah that that is it. And the other the other thing, uh, what is that thief game? Some kind of two words begins with P. You play like a criminal doing raids or something i can't remember um it's on normal desktop pc and they made a vr version of it um anyway i was playing with my two friends who were in on their pc and they were like facing where they were facing and shooting the bad guys in their field of view and i was like turning around looking one way shooting over my shoulder throwing (laughs) grenades behind my head and the ability to like break the sense of focus with Mm -hmm. the sense of interaction is unique to vr right you can't do that on any other medium so why let's get more games where you're like having to look in some direction but do something in this direction right that's a that's a cool thing it's funny because we play no man's sky a lot and i play vr 100 percent of the time when possible so you'll see me running through the lobby going like this with my hands and everyone's just like they're like a robot (laughs) (laughs) they're all like pointing at you like The Nexus where there's a player hub and PJs run around and you're able to do your hand motions and it translates to the other game. It's not just like in-game animation. And everyone else doesn't. They're just standing here like this. They'll crowd around PJ and he's like grabbing them and like <laughs> weird, but everyone's yeah. like, what is he doing? <laughs> Who is this man? guy? That, well, that's but, it. And how can we use this? How do we use this to make yeah, better games? The, when looking through reviews and things, um, and I just... I look through reviews to see how players are reacting to games. I don't care what people like review games as because I have my own opinions. Um, but I know they're important for devs, so they're, you know. But for VR, it's like those are N64 graphics. I'm like, yes, they are, and I fucking love that. Like that's all VR needs is N64 graphics. Just get in there and let your imagination do the rest. And yeah. if the game's fun, you're gonna have fun. Like I don't know. 
weird. Yeah, no, we hear that a lot. Uh, when we were developing it, a lot of like comments on Reddit, which were some of the meaner ones, were like, uh, why have you got the, this PlayStation graphics? And I was like, have you tried pushing 200,000 triangles <laughs> on to two screens at 76 yeah. frames per second, both of which are higher than HD resolution? Like, it's really difficult. And also, like, you can make it have look really beautiful. Like, look at Darth Vader, for example, the Darth Vader experience. But the yeah. size of the face was like, this right and then it was like walking yeah. to the next space and it's like this and it's like there are real limitations but i don't think they have to be like negative ones like i think things can be stylized i do worry that maybe people are going to get like a bit too bored of this uh quite cartoon shaded style just because it's the only thing that we can really afford a lot of the time as in like graphically afford mm -hmm. But I do think people yeah. look back on this as a time period. Like you look at PlayStation One graphics, and you're like, okay, it's, uh, you can tell by the blocky textures and the weird, like when you get up close, the, the straight lines kind of uh, become become bent. Um, and there's like this real aesthetic style there. And I feel like the Quest Two era will be marked by a kind of aesthetic style, a bit like this and Job Simulator, and kind of what mm -hmm. we can do with the technology. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's a it's a fascinating time and it really does upset me when people are like it doesn't look like half like alex why would i play it <laughs> come on man to be fair half-life alex doesn't have a lot of interactions yeah you can draw on things and pick up some bottles and they have liquid in them but what mm -hmm. do you do with that like you can't unless they've passed it i haven't played in a long time you couldn't even melee things that were stuck to your face so if you ran out of bullets like I should be able to do something here. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. You know, though, I did. So, I remember seeing the thing that made me fall in love with it was when one of those like face hugger clones um, jumped to them and they held up a chair and it hit the chair and they threw the chair yeah. out the window. And I was like, <laughs> "This is what every moment of every VR game should be." Is yeah. like this whole interaction with the world and the outcome. Uh, I hope we yes. get that soon. <laughs> you need to make a Waffle House brawl game where you grab the chair and flick. <laughs> right that would be great uh, and also like i think if we move away from realistic styles we can do like super unrealistic things which would be awesome like having ten thousand people that you're fighting with us you know like that matrix scene in yeah. matrix 2 when he's fighting <laughs> like a billion... <laughs> yeah exactly right suddenly he turns into rubber um yeah doing that in vr super super cool and you could do that with lower graphics but more agents weird story about that i was going to 3d animation school when that game, the movie was coming out, and so it was like, you know, the the second Lord of the Rings movie had just dropped, dating me. So everyone was like, CG, computer graphics, animation is awesome, because Gollum and everything, and Weta and digital, and then Rubber Neo came out, <laughs> and every, it, like, slapped every one of my, like, classmates, and they were like, you gotta take this seriously. <laughs> it was like, that was really bad. <laughs> You know, I know someone that worked on that and he gave me like a really like, normally like you talk to these people and like something has gone wrong and it's not well perceived and then you talk to people behind them and they're really like smart and interesting and they give you really logical reasons of why it ended up like that and he did mm -hmm. tell me and I've totally forgotten but when he told me, oh, I was like, oh that makes sense, yeah, that is a shame that it ended up like that and it's always a shame, like, yeah, this is, this is not great in the end. <laughs> like yeah because uh, Spider-Man did the same thing as well I think like the Spider-Man film that came out around the same time ended up looking super robbery I don't know what it was I don't remember which one that was 
Um, maybe it was the Andrew Garfield. I don't know. Time is so hard. It happened in a generation. I think ago. that'd have to be the first run, yeah, of Spider-Man. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah time. <laughs> my wife asked me stuff about my like childhood. I'm like, I can't. Time for me, like, I can't just see a timeline of my life. I, I, I actually go by like Pearl Jam albums. Like, okay, that was yeah. this this album. This is what was happening, and then they started spacing those out because it used to be every two years. So I kept it kept me on track for a long time. And then they started spacing them out. I'm like, um, time's lost to me now. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've gone way over our hour. I don't want to hold you hostage. It's been amazing talking to you. Um, yeah. Big fan of downtown. I think it's it's amazing. I think it, your theories are all working, in my opinion. Um, I love all your choices so far. I hope you can work out everything you want to work out and get it to the other devices. That would be awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. Thank you for your kind words. No one's ever said I love all of your choices before. Um, so I'm going to quote that every time the team is like, Jack, this is another stupid idea. I'll be like, hold on. If you, if you guys need a tiebreaker, just send it my way and I'll be like, that <laughs> it's, No, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to write it on a card and I'll be like, PJ loves all of my choices so far, so <laughs> tough. Um, yeah, thank the you for this. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, thank you for your podcast as well. I love that you are doing this in VR, right? Making use of the uh, of the medium. It's it's super cool. It's nice. It's much nicer than a Zoom call, even though I can't see your faces. I can imagine, and you're both so <laughs> handsome and cool looking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting that on a card and it's going on my fridge. <laughs> you guys have twin cards. Both sides, both sides. PJ like all of my decisions and choices and the other one's like, Jack thinks I'm handsome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for making that weird. <laughs> well, yeah, this, and if you guys ever have like updates you want to come back and talk, we'd love to chat some more. Um, yeah, maybe by then I'll have learned most of Spanish. Yeah, we can just do this <laughs> in Spanish. Although I'm learning Japanese in it, so we'll have to talk cross language. Oh. Maybe I'll switch. <laughs> My girlfriend, I wish I can't wait for your desktop, and she teaches herself language. She knows a bunch of Japanese, and she's been learning Chinese at the moment. This oh. would really be right up her alley. Yeah, because Chinese is hard. Yeah, she's got pen pals and and uh, and Weibo and. It's super impressive that she's able to like string sentences together and correct herself. She, this would really probably help out. Yeah, I hope so. I, when the, let me know when the desktop version comes out. Do let me know. I want to make sure that it does. That's our big thing, right? I know we're ending the podcast and we tried to end the podcast <laughs> like three times, but I Are love hearing for... whether it works. Right? Yeah, <laughs> right. I should have let my battery drop out. Just... <laughs> <laughs> the chaos. We don't know when the podcast <laughs> will end. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Jack. It was super awesome meeting you, hanging out, hearing your stories. <laughs> yeah, anytime. See you again for Downtown 2 in 2035. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone watching, listening, all the links to his their discords, the game, all that stuff will be in the show notes. Check it out. Um come back next time when we find out if Wookie 
is a little girl. <laughs> Just be like you, V. Close. That's damn close. <laughs> Je suis is I am. La June there you young, go. I believe. And then Arjun is La June V. F I L L E, I believe. There. Still Hopefully, we've, you've learned something today. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Catch you next time.